Welcome to the Creators Adventure, where we interview creators from around the world hearing their stories about growing a business. As an entrepreneur, there will come a time when you have to hire somebody to grow your business. And when you do, how will you become a great leader? That's the question that we're going to answer today. Hey everyone, I'm Brian McAnulty, the founder of Heights Platform. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, we're here today with Maria Aguirre, a best-selling author, thought leader, and leadership coach, uh, leadership online coach. Uh, she is an avia- aviation management. All right, let me restart that for you. I'll do it. I'll do it better. All right. Hey everyone, we're here today with Maria Aguirre. She is a best-selling author, thought leader, and leadership online coach. She has been an aviation management professional for the past 27 years, and in September 2022, Maria published her first book, The Square Peg Leader Delusion, The Art of Building and Leading Bulletproof Teams. From her proven record of turning dysfunctional, low-performing teams into consistent and engaging high performers. Maria, welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. All right, so my first question for you is, What would you say is the biggest thing, either that you did or you are doing, that has helped you to achieve the freedom to do what you enjoy? Um, I think that is really um, getting out of my own way. I've, I always had the, even through all my years in corporate, I always had that um, bug of having my own business. And you always second guess yourself and you always question which way do I go or how valuable is the knowledge that I've gained into um, embarking into a new endeavor, like a, like a new business. And, um, it's really, I think making the decision and, and taking the, the steps to do something that really creates that freedom. So to, for me it was, um, really compromising, um, because I'm still incorporated and I'm running my business in parallel. It was really compromising in what is that I wanted to achieve and setting up those goals, even though it may be more, um, uh, time consuming at the time, it, it really gives me that um, light at the end of the tunnel, let's say, because I'm actually doing what I um, ambitioned to do, which was building my business. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think people can probably relate to that in a lot of different ways, because it's not only like starting your business or, or doing that thing that you want, but like it can be in so many pieces along the way of like, launching that first product now that you've started the business or, or at every step along the way, it's easy to, to think of like some kind of excuse that, oh, well, I'm really busy with all this, but should, can I really do this yet? Or do I have to wait? Um, so I think that's helpful. Definitely. So in your case, what was that motivation that made you say, I really want to start my own business? Um. I really had, um, when, when I started doing, uh, writing the book, I, I was really creating a course. So that's where my business was, um, born. And I, I really had this need to share, um, the knowledge that I've gained throughout my years in aviation and all that I've, um, done with my teams because I see other people struggling with similar things. And I have two business degrees. I did my undergrad and my graduate school in business. And there's a lot of the things that are, very practical that had helped me really achieve high performance with different teams that I've led um, that weren't taught in school. So I saw that need and that gap in what leaders really need to learn about that is not really taught in school. So that's where 
um, the bug started and I was like, okay, this, this is something I need to share. And, and it really started bothering me. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It mm. was like, okay, I need to get it out and I need to share it because, you know, we, we are not supposed to keep our talents for ourselves and the, and the things, the skills that we've learned. We are supposed to share them. So that's where it comes from. Yeah, definitely. Well, I definitely believe that. I definitely relate to that. Um, that was my same, same kind of feeling and, and feeling I got to start this this software business and, and help other people share those same things. So um, definitely understand that. So you started your career in this uh, in the aviation industry. Um, you've been working there for over 26 years, um, leading these high-performing teams. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how you started and, and how you kind of climbed to the position that you're at today? Um, yeah, definitely. So um, I'm born and raised in Ecuador. And um, when I was a little girl, um, the apartment where we live was in the back of the airport. So mm-hmm. our apartment literally, um, you could see the fence across the street. And um, so I always heard the takeoffs and, and I was always very passionate about flying. I love going to visit my family in other cities, traveling. And um, so I wanted to be a pilot as a little girl, but born and raised in Ecuador, you needed to join the Air Force, so you needed to be a male. So I had the opportunity years later to um, move to the U.S. Um, in operations, aerospace operations. So I took it. It's, um, as I always call it, is the behind the scenes magic and, you know, behind every takeoff and landing. So that's what we do. We do uh, maintenance. We do manufacturing. And um, I got the opportunity. I took it and uh, never looked back. I've been um, in the industry for 27 years, as, as you mentioned, and it's it's been great. It's been a lot of learning experiences, a lot of ups and downs. Um, but I can tell you that there's very few places that I feel more comfortable than in a, either a hangar or a maintenance shop. So it's really my bread and butter. Oh, awesome. So yeah, you managed to secure a leadership position in aviation, which is typically, as you're kind of mentioning, like a male-dominated industry. So did you face any challenges or would you say, like, I don't know, what, what advice would you give to other women who want to be in a leadership position in a male-dominated industry? Um, I would say uh, don't second-guess yourself. It's, it's really, it really comes down to um, the knowledge you have and the, the capabilities that you bring to the table. Um, I did encounter a lot of, of challenges and, and I actually write about them in, in my book. I have a whole chapter on women leadership because it's, um, we are, we tend to be less assertive and, and, and we tend to second guess the value of the contribution that we bring. But very, very early on in my career, I understood that the environment was the environment. It was not going to change because I was a woman. So I adapted and I work as hard as my, uh, male counterparts and I let my work speak for itself. So that's how I secure it because it was really, um, I think that sometimes is, is a self-imposed bias that we as women tend to have. And, and it's really, if, if you really want to go for it. Awesome. Great advice. That would be my advice. <laughs> yeah, it's great advice. So yeah. in addition to this career in aviation, now you've started your own business and you're offering coaching services to help executives and managers become better leaders. So um, can you tell me a little bit more of like how that started? You, you went into a little bit of like your the bug and the, the passion that made you start it. So um, what yes. was kind of like your first step? Because like, as you mentioned, you're still in corporate now. 
Yes. Um, so, um, like I said, I started um, creating this leadership content and um, first I started a blog. I was like, how am I going to share all this content? Right. So I, and, I, and before writing the book, I also wanted to test the if, if the content was valuable for the people that was reading it. So I started a blog and then I got certified as a coach under um, John Maxwell Leadership. And I decided, OK, let me help other leaders, because I think there's a lot of power in mentoring and in coaching. Um, you you can get anywhere on your own. There's always somebody that, you know, took you under uh, their wing and got you and, and taught you and, and put you in front of the right people at the right time to help you out progress. So um, helping people with that to me is tremendous. And, and the coaching part is I love it because it allows to have these, these open conversations in which people normally get their aha moments by themselves, but it helps them to have like a sounding board for their ideas and, and really that confirmation that they're taking the right steps or they should tweak this or that to um, move ahead in the goal that they're, they're setting themselves to. So that's why I love what I'm doing through Meaningful Leaders. Great. Yeah. And so you mentioned that what was originally planned to start out as a course turned into this book. So how did you approach that? Um, did you work with a, a publisher? Did, did a publisher find you? How did that all happen? Um, no, I actually um, self-published. So I had to figure the whole thing out. And the funny thing is that you think that you did the outline and you wrote the book and that's it. The worst part is, or the difficult part starts afterwards because you need to figure out all these things about how to publish the book, how to um, get it edited and create a cover. And I wanted the cover of the book um, particularly to be very unique because, um, you know, when you're browsing on your phone on Amazon, the thumbnails are tiny and I, I wanted it to be different. Um, so I actually hire a graphic designer that does sci-fi to the cover of the book. So it's different. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn the whole process um, getting the, the book copyrighted and um, self-publishing through Kindle uh, publishing. So it was it was quite an experience. I've learned a lot and it's opened the door for other people to reach out and say, hey, I've always wanted to write a book. How do I go about it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so... And, and I, can, I, I can tell you that hmm? the process is great. It really um, empowers you. But at the same time, the moment you click publish, you have this feeling like you're completely naked because your most creative, um, you know, process is, is out into the world, but it's, it's, it's a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. So in your professional opinion, how can managers and entrepreneurs become better team leaders? Um, I always say that team building is relationship building. So it's, it's by being authentic. You really want to build relationships with the people you um, are entrusted to lead or the people that you're hiring. You really want to surround yourself with people that you can rely on and people that can um, reciprocate that and, and, and trust you and let allow you to lead them. So um, it really comes down to, I would say, having very good communication, be very transparent about your intentions. Um, people can smell BS a mile away. So it's always good to be authentic and really, um, they need to know what you're about and that you're there to help them. Once you really listen to what their needs are and really um, help them, 
to do their job um, easier and better, then they'll start trusting you and that relationship starts to build. That's how leadership is built. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I was actually talking with a, a teammate of uh, mine recently how there is the, like the difference between like interests and values. And you might have completely different like interests than the other person that you're working with, but it's important to share the same values and communicate those values. And so as you're, as you're mentioning there, like if you as the leader, if you're not making those values that you have clear, or if you're, if you're making things up that don't actually align with those values, then the rest of your team's going to feel that. And there's going to be some kind of disjointedness because of that. And so making sure that whether or not you have the same interests or whatever, as long as the team is clearly aligned on the values, then uh, that, that would be at least my take on it what, uh, from what you're saying. Most definitely. And, and one thing that sometimes we, we fail as leaders is we try to motivate people with things that we are motivated by. And you mm -hmm. really have to know your people enough to know what motivates them. Yeah. Because right? people get motivated by what motivates them, not the people around them. So when you really know their values, like you mentioned, it's really important because that's where the motivation comes from, right? Their family or um, their next career step, whatever the case might be, that's what it's going to motivate them to take the step. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's great advice. So um, yeah. what would you say is the difference between a manager and a leader? Uh that's one of my favorite questions in the whole world, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, management, you're in charge of the business. You're in charge of either the whole of the business or a portion of the business. So you're in charge of the budget and um, the objectives, and you're in charge of processes and procedures. As a leader, you wear a different hat. You're in charge of the people. So it's really in the human aspect, what you oversee on your leadership. And you, when you find that sweet spot in which you combine both, then you're a high performer because you can manage both. And, and I think it's, it's important to, to understand that it's a combination of brain and heart and really understanding you love your people, but you keep them accountable and you keep the main thing, the main thing, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a dual role that we have to um, perform when we have the responsibility of the business, but at the same time, we have people um, that we lead. Would you say that, like, I mean, I guess it's ideal that you're both, right? But is it yeah. always possible to have someone who is truly great at both? And in some business structures, is it better to have a separate manager and separate leader? Or would you say it's better to always have somebody that can really do both, if possible? I think it's important to leverage both. Because there's there's always going to be um, having two people the way I see it having two people may create a conflict because their um, motivations come from different places. But if you find a, a nice spot in which you're looking after the business but at the same time you're caring for the people and developing them and and growing them, then the business can be successful as a whole. So um, I think that is is finding that balance and. And I think that we learn in school a lot of the management aspect, um, but the leadership aspect is is worth what's left a little bit unattended in school. And and, and a lot of um, new managers enter the workforce and they don't know how to deal with people. And, and honestly, leading with leading people and, and dealing with them on a daily basis is not for the 
it's not for everyone. Not everybody is equipped. Some people work very well independently and they cannot deal with people. And I can tell you, Brian, I'm an introvert. And to me, I, I really go out of my way to make sure that my team is engaged and, and, and is involved. And, and I need my quiet time afterwards. But um, it's truly loving the people that you um, have been entrusted to lead. Yeah, I like that. Um, it, it made me think of for myself uh, an experience that I think really helped me learn about like what is a great leader was um, with uh, this team that I met, a, a software development team I met in, uh, in uh, Poland. And um, I just had a great experience from their founder who he kind of showed me the way he was acting with his whole team. Cause basically I stayed like kind of with his team for a little bit. Um, Cause I told him like at the time I was, I was going through um, happened to be visiting the country and the way that he addressed each team member and, and talked to them, you could tell he really saw everybody as like the person and not just thinking about the management. And that was kind of eye-opening for me and something that like I hadn't heard of in other people talking about business or things like a, a school environment, like you mentioned, that you, you had to kind of see it and experience it from how he was actually acting towards people that, um, that was the eye-opening moment for me. And I guess like some examples of that, like I remember the one time, uh, the one day we were all gonna go out to dinner or whatever, and like the office was closed and there was one woman, she was still working there, but like everything was closed. And like, he, he had to go up to her and tell her like, you should go home. <laughs> and like, she was just trying to work really hard, but like he wanted to make sure like for herself that like, whether or not it's, it's going to benefit him that she works harder. Like he wanted her to take care of herself and, and to, to go home and, and go spend time with her family and everything. And it was, it was a, a thousand little things like that, I guess that added up that made me kind of see like, wow, the, the focus on the awareness and the empathy towards the team as people is so important. Definitely. And, and, and one thing that sometimes companies as they grow and teams as they, they grow, they tend to forget is that people are, are in business with people. It's not really the systems. The systems are there to help us, but is that, is that we crave that human connection, that human interaction and um, I think that is 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 good business, um, focusing on the people um, first, and then anything else. Yeah, definitely. And and yeah, I do think it's definitely true that there's there's people who need to be shown that and told that and and experience that because that's not how their organization is really currently yeah. run. Um, so yeah. I guess bringing this back to the like kind of independent entrepreneur who is kind of our main audience. If somebody is, is working there, they started their business from the ground up and like they're the one in charge of their business and just starting to learn how like they can put together a team and start delegating. Maybe they're, they're, they're hiring a, their first, uh, first employee, first person they're hiring. Can you offer some advice to somebody who maybe feels like they're struggling to delegate or maybe just feels like they're not having too much success because I guess I've seen cases where an entrepreneur hires somebody, they say like, okay, everyone told me I have to go and delegate this thing. But then the, the end result is some kind of mix of things not working out right. And sometimes people will blame it on the person that they hired, but there's a lot of times where it's probably something in the communication and the expectations. So I don't know, what would your advice be for somebody who's just trying to learn how to delegate? 
Um, delegating is difficult. I, I can tell you that. Um, I'm, I'm a perfectionist in recovery. And I really had to learn to delegate because I never thought that anybody could do it as well as I did. So I'd rather put 60 hours a week and, and not have a life. Um, so delegating, it really comes down to that trust. So if, if you're just hiring somebody, um, it, it's going to be really difficult at the beginning because you really need to establish that relationship and see the capabilities of the person. Um, and, and obviously sometimes you read a resume and it's fantastic and the, the actual results are not what you expected when, when the person is actually working. So, um, it's really coming down to understanding what the strengths, um, the other person is bringing to your team and taking advantage of those strengths, right? And we tend to delegate the things that are, uh, more admin and, but I think that as entrepreneurs, my recommendation will be the things that you're very strong at, um, don't delegate those. Keep those because that that will be the success of your business because that's the special um, touch that you put that nobody else can can put on and and delegate the things that you can live with delegating that will not have a huge impact in your business at least until you get to learn that that the skill set this person is bringing into your team and once you know them and you're more comfortable with them then um, you know the more you teach them about what you do the the better they will be to 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 cover for you and to take on more responsibility so you can grow your business because ideally we want to our business to grow and not stay stagnant with certain amount of people that we can serve. Yeah, that's great. I think, um, yeah, people have to re remember to look at it as an investment that you can't expect to, yeah. to hire somebody, whether they're an employee, a contractor, a freelancer, you can't expect to hire them and then just magic happens and they're this, this duplicate of you with this certain skill set. There is going to be some kind of investment there, um, even if they are somebody who, who really is a high performer versus somebody who's kind of just starting in their field. And yeah. so I think that's important to remember. And also, I, I like the point that you're making of like, then as you work with them, as you grow, figuring out what other responsibilities can they take on. And that really comes down to that same idea of like seeing everybody from who they are as a person, right? Because you have to think about, okay, like these are the responsibilities that you might have to, to give to somebody. But as you, you learn what each person's role is and what their preferences are and what their talents are, there might be certain things where like they prefer to, I don't know, the, the task that you have might be slightly different or there might be certain things that is slightly different than you in initially envisioned that position or, or what they would do that they can really specialize yeah. and really help you with. And in that case, maybe it's better to have them continue to focus on that and then find another person for that, that new task instead. Definitely. And, and one thing that you mentioned, uh, I think is key is having that clear communication, right? So we, we, we expect that the people by osmosis understand what we want and we really need to really convey the message clearly and sometimes repeat it several times and, and show them how exactly is that we want things done because um, it's the only way, right? And people don't read minds. <laughs> At least common people don't read minds. So um, the communication is key in leadership. Definitely. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, un understanding that it's an investment, being good at communicating. Um, and also, I, I would I guess having a fair bit of patience is really important as well. Um, oh, I, th I think maybe that's, that's a reason. At least some friends I've talked with who are also entrepreneurs, um, when they've asked me about like how did I hire somebody or, or add somebody to my team? And then, 
I've talked to them and it seemed like the difference with us was that they weren't really patient about it in the same sense. Um, like they understood there was investment, but, but still, I guess, uh, if I had to say a, a quality that I guess has helped me is that I think I am pretty patient with, uh, with things and understanding in that sense. Good. Good. It always helps to be patient. So one of the areas that you focus on as a coach is team building. Um, you mentioned this a little bit already. Um, yeah. Most of the people in our audience are probably kind of running their business online. So, and I mean, even ourselves, like our team is, we're all fully remote. So how would you suggest a team can kind of improve their team building in a remote work environment? Um, if possible, I always think that you always have to build up that personal relationship. Um, so making time, because we, we jump from one meeting to the next and it's always go, go, go. So making that time to, even if it's virtual, just having a, um, you know, a time in which let's have a virtual happy hour or, you know, let's, let's share a, a coffee and just chat. Tell me, cut, catch me up on your life. What, what's going on? Having that time to, to really, um, listen to the person on the other side, not just the tasks that, you know, you're expecting them to complete or the status of XYZ project is really listening to the person. So making time, I always say that uh, a team is not a team until they break, uh, break bread. So having that time to really share a, a moment of, you know, not work <laughs> related conversations, I think is, is really important because um, otherwise it just becomes a routine and, and we tend to forget the human aspect. So that will be my recommendation, uh, you know, and, and for us, even throughout the pandemic, aviation was essential. So we were together on site um, throughout the, the, the whole thing. But um we had other teams that team teammates and, and colleagues um, lateral that we hadn't seen in, in a couple of years. So um, just getting together at some point in, uh, you know, a, a city that was convenient for everyone because we had a workshop or something and just had a nice dinner and, 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 and a glass of wine and chat. That was a lot of a lot of help for us. So I, I would recommend just making the time for that. Um, personal space even if it's just half an hour it's important once in a while awesome yeah that that sounds good um i want to share a story that hopefully it's helpful to to our audience some piece of it but so our team like we're all fully remote and um at the end of last year we had like our first finally the pandemic mostly stopped we had our first team meetup and uh, we're based in austin texas so i flew everyone into uh, austin here and for some of us, we'd met before, but some of us, it was our first time meeting each other. And it was an awesome experience. Definitely, I think we're going to keep doing things like this going forward. But um, as a, a kind of testament of how important that was, so like two women that w work with me, um, like they talk with each other, like in weekly meetings and things, but their, their roles don't really overlap that they're interacting so much. Um, and they spent so much time together over the trip that like, I remember like the second day, um, they, they both, uh, came over to us and like, it seemed like they had known each other forever suddenly. And, uh, and like, it's been like one day of them, uh, meeting each other and actually like being together in person. So, um, that, that was really interesting for me. Um, I guess I'm, I'm curious what you think. So like what we also do is, uh, we have weekly meetings on zoom and, um, we have like one main team meeting per week. 
Um, I think the size we're at, that, that works still. Um, we don't want to keep in too many meetings if we don't have to be. And what we do at the beginning of that meeting is everybody talks about like what happened on their weekend or like for just updates of their life. And so that's how we started off because you're right. I think like everything is like, that's go, awesome. go, go all the time. And so I love that. And instead of like starting the meeting, like here's all that stuff. And then, oh, we don't have time to get to the other stuff. We start, we try to start it out slower. Honestly, it helps me because like the meetings are in the morning for me because some of our teams in, in Europe and Asia. And it helps me because I wake up and there's all these things went wrong or are happening or whatever. And so like, whether I want to be or not, I'm already in like, go, go, go. So um, it helps us all, I guess, to like step back and say like, what's, what's new in everybody's life and all that. So that's one thing it. we do. Um, and we also try to do like, as you mentioned, like in like, a, uh, at least I do with my team and like performance review calls, um, try to really make sure to understand like, well, what's going on in their life and everything and, and talk with them about that as well. Um, instead of just the worst work aspect. Um, knowing that, would you have any like suggestions of anything else you think would be like good for us to try? Cause I'm curious. Um, um, I think maybe, um, you know, like you were sharing the story about the two ladies that, uh, you know, work, work really well and their, their, their jobs didn't, um, interact, maybe, um, creating like a body system, maybe, maybe having, um, an accountability partner, somebody that they can, um, talk to, or maybe having a group chat in which they can just, uh, share things that they want to share personally. Um, that's a, that's a great practice and, and people just may, you know, they may just send jokes or, or memes, or they may say something significant, you know, um, my kid just, um, walked for the first time. And those are things that are very meaningful for them. So having that opportunity to share them with the rest of the team gives them that sense of belonging that we all, that we all crave, especially when, when we're in a team environment. And if you're virtual, that helps a lot. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. All right. Um, and yeah, so as you mentioned, um, last September, you published your first first book, The Square Peg Leader Delusion. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the book and how it can help leaders? Um, yeah. So um, The Square Peg Leader Delusion is um, based on the idiom, the square peg in the wrong hole. So the premise of the book is that same as a square in a circle, um, not because their geometrical figures mean that they fit together a team and a leader, not because they're in the same industry or even belonging to the same company means that they are a good match. Um, so it's really, um, about, um, starts with self-leadership and all the things that we as leaders need to develop, like our mindset in understanding the different tools that we have at our disposition and really understanding that, um, it's not about us, but it's that transition from working individually to, um, working uh, for the team and serving the team. So having that mindset mindset uh, shift to to really focus on the team. And then the second part of the book is about um, the team itself. So um, I talk a lot, a lot about um, the different tools, for example, um, optimization. Since I'm in operations, is operations optimization. So how you build an operation um, and how you optimize and then scale it. Um, my background is in continuous improvement. I'm a black belt in Six Sigma. So, um, I really enjoy that aspect of lean and really, um, fine tuning processes to increase performance. 
Um, but I also talk about things like um, emotional intelligence and uh, imposter syndrome, which is something that particularly for entrepreneurs is, is something that I think we all at some point encounter is that feeling of, uh, I'm, I'm really faking it. I'm not really ready for this, or I'm really uh, not um, equipped to do what I'm doing or, or equipped to do what I'm, I'm called to do. And, and it's really understanding that we all deal with that and, and it's keeping it in check and, and really moving forward. Um, so um, at the end of the book, I share what I call the team building manifesto, which is 26 practices that I recommend uh, for leaders, which is what I do. I literally start um, writing down what is that is important for me with my teams. And that's where that list came from. And um, so it's really an, um, both a leadership um, book for, for other leaders, and, as well as a statement of accountability for me, because I still um, have my teams that I, that I lead. I have three teams that I lead at the moment, so um, outside of, of my business. So. But it was a really interesting experience. And, and if you guys are interested on, on, on knowing more about it, my website is MeaningfulLeaders.com, and the book is available on Amazon. So. All right. Awesome. Great. So before we get going, I got one more question for you. And that is if you could ask anything to our audience, whether it's something that you're curious about, something that kind of want our audience to think about for themselves, what would you ask them? Hmm. Uh, it would be something to think about. It's something that probably I ask myself a lot um, these days with, with my business is, how are you adding value to the people you serve today, to the audience that you serve today? I think it's important to always keep that in the forefront because we can get our ego on the way, especially when we start getting some momentum and starting becoming successful. It's important to understand that the goal of a business is to add value to other people. So how am I adding value to others today? That awesome. would be my question. Like Great. All right. Um, well, besides uh, finding the book on Amazon and your website, where else can people find you online? Um, I'm on LinkedIn uh, under my name. And uh, I'm also, um, I have a YouTube channel. I'm sharing um, different tips for um, leaders. Uh, and um, I'm starting a Twitter, but don't quote me on that because <laughs> it's very recent. All right. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the thank show, you Maria. So much. Of course, Brian. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this interview and want a chance to ask questions to our guests live, tune in on Tuesdays when new episodes premiere on the Heights Platform Facebook page. To learn more about the show and get notified when new episodes release, check out thecreatorsadventure.com. Until then, keep learning, and I'll see you in the next episode.